So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be discussing episode seven of season eight, Life After Lockup. On this episode, Taylor calls out Chance's shoddy construction on her house. Lindsay is concerned over Blaine's new marijuana card. Michael and Justine break the news of having to stay to her kids. Chevelle and Quaylen's mom argue over who should pay for the wedding. Brittany and Keyrock fight over why her mom doesn't like him. Sean and Sarah deal with her baby daddy's addiction. And Louie and Melissa go to New York for her nose job. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going with you? Good, because we have a three-day weekend, but that also means that next week is supposed to be the most depressing day of the year. Why is next week? Why, like, tomorrow? Like No, next Monday. Next Monday. Why is that? I don't know. It's something about how, like, it's the Monday after Martin Luther King is supposed to be the most depressing day of the year because most people realize the holidays are oh, over. Oh, the holidays are over and yeah. summer is still really far away. Yeah. Like, I mean, it won't be for me because that's uh, that's uh, end of the quarter grading day for me. So yeah. if I do, if, if I play my cards right, I won't have it. I'll be off and won't have anything to do that day. Oh, so nice. I like it. Except to sit around and be depressed about how cold it Except is. Except to sit around and be depressed about how cold it is. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's talk about people who were, I guess, not sitting around. They were sitting around in the hotel well, room. Well, they might be depressed. Who knows? Uh, it sounds show. like they're depressed. Let's start with Brittany and Key Rock. Okay. So, Brittany and Key Rock are in a hotel, and it's on Long Island, and Key Rock is psyching himself up to meet uh, Brittany's abuela. So he thinks it's important to make a good impression with abuela and try to get uh, in better with the rest of the family. And then things go zag very quickly. I thought we were going to get a whole meeting and they were going to leave, but the rest of the episode stayed in the hotel room. So they get in a fight over the reason that Brittany's mom doesn't like him. Like yeah. he says something about like, oh, you know, I feel like if I – do well with grandma, she, if, with abuela, she'll like get me in good with your mom because I know your mom doesn't like me because I'm from the hood. And Brittany's like, no, that's not why she doesn't like you. That's not it at all. It's because you're trans. I've told you it's because you're trans. I don't know how many times I've told you about type of trans. And then and then she just like starts yelling about like, I don't know why you're coming for my mom. Like, what, is this, what does my mom have to do with anything? Why are you even talking about my mom? Just shut up and don't stop talking about my mom. Why are you talking about my mom? And it just goes off the rails. So she tells us in an interview that she took that, she, that her family did take pretty good care of her when she was in prison. So it seems like one of those situations where, you know, she can have her complaints about the family, but she's really not comfortable with anybody else saying anything bad about the family. Or possibly it's just like, She's upset that Key Rock's basically accusing her family of being racist, even though she's like, they're not racist. They're just transphobic. That's different. Stop <laughs> it. So she gets so upset that uh, she goes in the bathroom and then like, he's continuing to talk to the camera crew and she just like starts screaming his name like, stop, just stop. It's Key Rock. And she kicks out the camera crew, but not really. They stay in the, the room, but her and Key Rock go into the bathroom where they talk, but their microphone's still on. So Brittany is just, I don't know. She really, really says she just doesn't want anybody bringing up her parents when they, she just feels like they didn't need to be brought up because she feels really bad that her parents rejected her and whatever. It's just something about the situation makes her feel bad about her parents and even worse about people talking about her parents. 
did, could you make sense of like why she went off like this? No, but this is not the first time we've seen her get really sensitive about that because they've. I feel like we had a very similar uh, argument, and a, she had a very similar reaction when they were driving in a car. Like at some point this season, it was, and, yeah, it was not very long. It was on this trip already, right? Right, and I feel like he had said something about being hood or something like that, uh, and then oh. No, it was the um, uh, it was when they were talking about her dad being jumped or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Key Rock had said, like, oh, you told me it was a bunch of black guys. And so I'm afraid oh, that they right. might be racist. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she was just like, no, they they are not racist. And she got really, really, really super defensive of her family, like really trying to emphasize that this family is not racist, that they don't like him <laughs> because he's trans. So I, but it's just. I don't know why her reaction is so visceral and like mm-hmm. just that extreme. Like that's the part that I don't get. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the fact that you're right that they that we had this conversation before, mm-hmm. and if we had this conversation before on camera, it seems in character to me of Key Rock to tell him something. You know, he has a story yeah. in his head of why things happened the way they did. Right, and you're like, actually, no. That's not what happened. It's this other thing. And then the next time he tells the story to somebody else, he says the thing he said at first. You're like, Key Rock, I told you that wasn't right. Yeah. This is what's up. And he keeps doing that. Like, how many times has she had to tell Kim that my parents don't care that you're black? Like, and and every time he's like, well, I feel like they don't like me because I'm black. And she's like, that's not the reason. <laughs> and it's not necessarily about, like, keeping up the family. It's about, like, why do I have to keep telling you this all the time because you like the narrative in your head better that my family's racist. And so you go, you keep telling people that instead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I don't know if it, it is the same argument essentially, but it's not ish because the first time when they had the argument, it was about her dad. This mm-hmm. time it's, it's about, about her mom. mom. Sure. So it's kind of like it's possible for one parent to be racist and the other one to not be, you know. And so I, I don't know if it's exactly that. That I do think Kirok certainly has a narrative in his mind where it's like, you know, this family's racist. Like, you know, I wonder if I was trans and uh, Latina, if they would feel differently about things or, mm-hmm. you know, but... It's it's hard to say because you you're like a sectional person right now, and so it's like I don't. Uh, it's hard to say. We don't know. Right. It just it 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 seems like it just it just seemed like a whole lot for something that from him was a throwaway conversation. Yeah. For him, just she, her just could have been like, uh huh. Right. <laughs> and then the then the issue would have died. He would not mention the mom again. Yeah. Right. If she, was yeah. like, if she was just like, you know, I don't think that's it, but let's get ready to meet Awayla. Like, just change yeah. the subject. Like, she gets that- real fiery sometimes. Like, right. it is interesting to me how she does a lot of times. And she, I'm not saying she isn't typically, because she is. She's typically the one who kind of seems to give in. Mm-hmm. And she definitely seems the more passive one in the relationship. He definitely seems to kind of wear the pants. But that 20% of the time, she is fired up and it's just like, don't mess with this person, you know? And it's just, she gets she gets into this mode where it's kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
yeah, anytime – to me, it's not obviously the amount – it's not the amount of yelling or the intensity of the yelling. It's the unpredictability of yeah. like, oh, that was a landmine I didn't even know I was close to and now right. we're doing this. So, it's, yeah, that that is very concerning for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, let's move on to maybe other landmines. Uh, and that is, uh, oh, a bomb more like it, Justina Michael. So <laughs> yeah, Michael has sure. bought Justine flowers to try and soften the blow. The kids have been packing and Justine wonders where Michael has been. Michael tells her he went to see his parole officer and they told him that he can't move. They told him they can't expedite the transfer because they had sent paperwork to the house and it seems like Michael didn't respond. So it's really his fault. He says that they will be able to move in, you know, 30 to 60 days. Justine asks him why he lied to her, especially because they were moving forward with the move, meaning Justine doesn't have a doctor and all their things are boxed up. Michael says that he don't want to stress Justine out, especially since she's pregnant, which is why he lied. Justine is just mad, and she just starts grabbing boxes and tells him to unpack. They don't have their current house for much longer, so Justine starts asking about that. Where are they going to live? Michael suggests that they extend their lease for another six months, and Justine is worried about paying a mortgage and the rent. Michael asks where they're supposed to stay if they don't do that, and Justine says, that's the point. Michael is surprised that Justine isn't being supportive like she usually is. Justine is mad that he lied because she could have prepared if he, she'd just known the truth for staying. Kylie, Justine's daughter, is excited because she got her braces off. She tells Justine that she heard them fighting and Mike was sleeping on the couch. Soon after this, they have a family meeting and Michael tells all the kids that they can't move to Vegas anytime soon. He tells them that he missed a step and it will probably be 90 days now, he's saying, until he can get approved. The kids point out that they packed really early then. Mike tries to explain that he can't be in control of his life completely for another 20 years since he's on probation. Kylie points out that the current house isn't ready for a baby. Michael says that he should have told them all everything and there was a chance they wouldn't be able to move instead of just stand by while Justine canceled her C-section. Ben, Justine's son, says that Michael's never lied to them before. Mike says one option would be to move to Vegas without him, but Justine immediately says no. When Mike cries, Ben joins in and hugs him while Kylie just gets pissed off and goes upstairs. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I Justine is right. Like, I think she would have been more supportive if he had been honest this entire time. So... Why do you think Michael's been lying this whole time, watching them all pack up when he knows there's a possibility? Does he just think that he somehow it would magically fall together? So, I mean, I guess I wasn't clear on. I thought it was some piece of paperwork that he was supposed to turn in that he didn't even know about. And they're like, you're missing this piece of paper. And he was like, what paper? The hell are you talking about? And then like, so I was under the impression before that it wasn't like – he didn't really think it was a possibility. It was just a formality, right? Mm -hmm. And that he was going to go call the probation officer. The probation officer was going to give him the paperwork. He'd walk out and be fine. And this kind of came as a surprise to him. Not that he was like – had known for weeks or months that he didn't turn in this paper and he was just hoping it would go through anyway. Right? Yeah. And so kind of the way he 
I had understood, like I said, my, I, my understanding was kind of the first way, but the kind of way he took like, oh, I know I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Like he wasn't like, I didn't even know about it. I didn't, I wasn't lying to you. I literally thought it was going to go through. I didn't think there was any reason to worry about it. He didn't use that as a defense, right? He just right. did a mea culpa. So it does seem like it was something that he had known for a time that was missing and was hoping it just didn't matter. And if that's the case, I don't know why he wasn't more upfront with anybody. Well, I do know because if it, if he got lucky and it did, didn't matter, then why would he put himself out there and say something? I did. I made a mistake and, you know, get in a little bit of trouble if it might just all blow over and he never had to worry about it. Yeah. And I feel like that's just his like mentality in general. I mean, I don't know if he's just lived a very charmed life right. mm-hmm. where things just always seem to work out for him. And that's why he just thought, oh, this is another situation where things will always work out for him. But I feel like he has that same almost like unrealistic optimism when it comes to like even his music career. He somehow mm-hmm. thinks that he's going to move to Vegas and then it's like this, you know, oh, it'll just work out. You know, yeah. like, oh, well, you're not even approved to go. Oh, it'll just work out. Well, yeah, oh, it's, well. he's very much a put it in God's hands and it all, oh, it'll be fine. It's good person, yeah. right? Yeah, we yeah, I remember that, like God's plan, you know. Yeah, which just is crazy to me because I'm a, I am very much a hope for the best, prepare for the worst type person. Oh, right? yeah. I, yeah, I would say that I am Whereas too. Whereas so. Michael is a expect the best, period, end. Like whatever, whatever the best case scenario that that could be, that's what's going to happen. And there's certain people who have what to me is an insane mindset that like, oh, if you even plan for the worst case scenario, that's just inviting it to happen. Right. Yeah. But I mean, for the baby, come on. Like yeah, no. Kylie's well, I, right. I they don't the have anything. I'm like, if I have my umbrella, it's not going to rain. If I forget my umbrella, it's going to rain. If I'm prepared for the worst, then that's like in my head and like. Um, you know, superstitiously, there it is. <laughs> superstition is like yeah, that, but I think it goes beyond superstition. Right. But I think to your example there, like how hard is it to hold an umbrella, mm-hmm. you know, or to bring an umbrella? It's not really that much. You know, if you're like, oh, here, let me, uh, you know, carry around this like 50 pound brick, then yeah, I would probably risk it and be like, is this worth like the hassle? But like, you know, to carry around an umbrella, it's like not a big deal to prepare for, you know, your rainy day. And so that's why I don't understand. Like, it wouldn't have been that big deal to prepare for a rainy day because in this case, it just means them actually is probably saving them time, right? From having to do things like to prepare for this move. Right. And and just I, Justine will be like, well, I'll know not to cancel my C-section until after you get this paperwork done. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's the part that w- that was that was, I think, the most frustrating is like you sat there and let me make irreversible decisions and do irreversible things when you knew we might have to reverse them. <laughs> like you knew there was at least a chance that we'd have to reverse them. And it's it's wild. But what I couldn't figure out is why he's like, we'll just extend the lease by a half year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that like kind of pissed me off about that situation. I really by him saying that got the impression this isn't going to be 90 days. Right. Because I love (laughs) how even in the progression of the episode, he's like. Oh, yeah. When he first told Justine, it's like it's like 30 days. 
maybe 60 days. And then all of a sudden he's telling the kids and now all of a sudden it's 90 days, you know, right. and then it's like, oh, let's extend the lease for six months. And so it's like, <laughs> I, I just don't trust his timeline at this point. No, because especially if you don't know it's 30 to 90, I think most, I can't say, I don't know the laws everywhere, but most of the places I've rented at the end of your lease, and it's different because it's a house, might be an individual landlord, there's usually the month to month option, right? Mm-hmm. If you need to, because because it's really common at the end of a lease to be like, well, I don't want to re up for the whole year, but I need a couple more months before the next place is ready. Yeah, right. That's super, 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 super common. And yeah, like, and it seems like, that, but but to not even like mention month to month or mention a three month extension right. of your lease, it's just like, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. There seems like there's more here. That you're not telling us about. Right. And especially given his more recent history of hiding things, like, I feel like there might not be an option at all. Like, that could, it could just straight up be denied. Like, it might not even be just a process. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was. Yeah. Because we talked about the expediting, but we don't have any details about what paperwork it was that he didn't have. Right. right? Because isn't it possible that you know, the answer could still be no. He's assuming that it's it's going to be approved. He just needs to fulfill all the requirements first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit where he was kind of like, he kept describing the, the, pro, the, 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 the process of, of the parole and probation mm-hmm. on like, as if it was something that happened to him. Oh, yeah. woe is me, my bad luck. You know, I might be out of prison, but I'm still under supervision for the next 20 years. And it wasn't like, and this is why you shouldn't commit crimes. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, teachable like, moments for the kids. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just like, sometimes that's the way life hits you. It's like, yeah, when you deal drugs for years, that sometimes is the way life hits you. Yeah. All right. So um, let's, Let's go to, speaking of ex-drug dealers, and go to Lindsay and Blaine. Oh, God. So we don't know why, but like, it's starting at the beginning. Lindsay's trying to rush out of the house for something. She's trying to see Stephanie or something. I don't they didn't really explain it. But Blaine is trying to tell her something important. So he says that he's been, he catches her on the way outside and says he's been super stressed and super depressed. He isn't sleeping right. So he went to a doctor um, who saw that he's had a past diagnosis for PTSD and depression and tells him that he might be eligible for a medical card. And she's like, a medical card for what? And of course, it's for marijuana. So Lindsay immediately is like, that's a terrible idea. You're an addict. You shouldn't be doing drugs. And uh, also, where are you going to keep the drugs? Like, where's the money going to come from to pay for it? Since we're already trying to, I'm already trying to shake people down for this $20,000 in legal fees that I have. So she's just frustrated about the situation and wants to leave. So in the car, Lindsay tells us more about like her thoughts and the things. So she understands how he's feeling and doesn't want to like minimize his pain or anything. But, you know, finding a legal way to get high, she doesn't think is the solution here. So in the car, uh, her lawyer calls and, you know, he tells her that they're still in a holding pattern and something about the arraignment being continued. And basically, the longer things get stretched out, the better it is for her. Um, Okay. Interesting. I, I think it's kind of like, well... The longer it goes, the less they care. And then you then you can go, oh, well, you, when it finally comes, get to the case, you'd be like, well, I've been on probation for so long, whatever, I think. But he seemed to think it was good. But anyway, since he's on the phone, she spends, you know, obviously spends some more money that she says they didn't have getting legal advice on an unrelated matter. So he's definitely, and I say that 
because he didn't say it, but he's definitely like adding to the billable hours yeah. <laughs> um, as soon as she asks for advice. So she thinks that Blaine having marijuana in the house could be an issue for her, especially with this upcoming court case, because she is dealing here with federal charges. And no matter what the laws are in Mississippi, the federal government says marijuana is illegal, right? So they might they might see this as a wrong step in the wrong direction for her like recovery and, and good behavior and things like that. Uh, to which the lawyer is like, yep, that is exactly <laughs> true. You had it, you hit it on the head. That is correct. So later on, uh, Lindsay is driving home from a crazy right, crazy night at work just in time. She was clearly working it overnight because she gets home and then is helping everybody everybody out to school. So of course she's on edge because all this time uh, – she says that Blaine is not pulling equal weight, uh, which is an assessment that he doesn't agree with. Mm-hmm. So then she lists all the chores she does and is yelling about like, you know, all that I do. She's like, sometimes you just take out the trash and I paid the mortgage. You only paid the mortgage one month. Um, and if he doesn't want to pull his weight, he can get out of her house because she's the one who's always paying. So eventually he gets mad at her, A, telling him that he doesn't do anything and B, not really letting him finish a sentence that he throws a dish off out, the, out against the wall, like smashes it, and, and then storms out. So that's where we're left there. Uh, so, and here's, here's the thing, though. Like, if you asked Lindsay and Blaine to each independently say how much of the work in the house, the chores of the, of the taking care of their lives, what percentage do you contribute? And they both, and we added up what they both said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would it add up to? Uh, I think Lindsay would probably inflate her side because this is what I don't understand. They have this exact same conversation at the end of whatever season they were on last where he went running off, you know, with his ankle monitor on. And yeah, remember that? And it was Mm -hmm. like the exact same conversation. Her basically, you know, telling him that he doesn't contribute and him just getting so upset. And I feel bad because he just doesn't communicate his side very well and he just mm-hmm. seems to get really flustered and then that he just leaves because he's like, well, I'm not winning this argument. And uh, he just left. And so it just, it really reminded me of that because what was the resolution then? You know, like right. she somehow came to terms with the fact that, okay, maybe I wasn't perceiving things and maybe he contributes more than I said he was contributing just for you to have the exact same conversation again. But I do think there is an element of Blaine being depressed and Blaine kind of staying in bed. And that perception to Lindsay is like he's being lazy. Mm -hmm. You know, here I am working these long hours at work and lazy bones over here is still in bed and I still have stuff to do around the house. And so I think there's resentment there. And I think that she needs to have a little more empathy uh, for the fact that Blaine is going through something because I don't think she's super acknowledging that Blaine is quite possibly clinically depressed right now. I don't right. think Blaine's going about it the right way. Like, I don't know if you're depressed because he says it's sleep. Right. But it's like to me, it's like that's a sign or symptom of clinical depression. I oh, don't sure. think marijuana is like the answer to that I don't, scenario. Yeah, I don't know anything about the about what the, what medical marijuana does and doesn't work for. That's really not my my stuff. And I'm not a psychology person. I've never struggled right. with depression. So I, I don't know. Sure. Right. But 
I, I could see him also wanting to be like that rather than just popping Xanax all the time or something, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, which is also very true. But I think you're right. I think because I think what this argument was in suppression is this man is like, I took all of the mental energy I have to mm-hmm. drag my ass out of this bed and get these two kids ready to go. And I am just at the end of what I can possibly do for anything. Like I have just you know, dug deep and gave it all. And all she is, is like, you don't do shit. The yeah. hell are you even doing around here? I pay for everything. You can just like, you know, and it's like, and that, that that's, that's frustrating when you feel like, I mean, frustrating. It's like, it's also, you know, humiliating. If you're depressed, it like feeds into it. Cause depression has that nasty habit of like, uh, a spiraling on itself. Yeah. Right? You're depressed. And then you feel bad because you shouldn't feel depressed, but that makes you just worse, more depressed. And again, it's like, it, it just feeds on itself like that. And having a partner that's like, basically, you're just a lazy ass. You don't do anything. What I need is more out of you. That's that that's, that's a lot to take if, if – assuming you're right and he actually is struggling with depression. Because she gives lip service to it, but she doesn't show that she actually internalizes what it means for someone to be depressed. And yeah, what they need when not. they're depressed, right? Because yeah. she's just like, oh, yeah, I appreciate that. However um, – Whatever you want to do to to help yourself deal with that doesn't work for me, so I don't give a shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they need to go to a couples therapy or something um, to, like, mediate and have someone point out that, you know, she needs to take his depression or whatever it is that he's going through seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but also kind of speak to him that he can't just turn to marijuana given their current criminal status right like that unfortunately is not really an option based because of the circumstances for sure right um yeah yeah and it it is kind of uh it does it it, to see where it comes from it does kind of seem like if it if this is kind of coming out of nowhere right and Mm -hmm. you feel like and you haven't been a particular observant you haven't noticed him be feeling depressed or just uh, showing signs of PTSD or anything like that, and your partner just comes out of nowhere, your, you know, recovering addict partner just comes out of nowhere and is like, hey, uh, uh, I got me a medical marijuana cart. I'm like, <laughs> no, right? What? I mean, it's just like, no, just no, right? Get that, no. Um, so I, I get where I get where her initial response of that is, especially if he just caught her on the way out, like she's trying to go to work, and he's right. like, hey, hey, one thing before you go. I can get weed. <laughs> like She's like, great. Okay, yeah. great, buddy. Yeah, I mean, and I agree. Like, he's a former addict. Like, she should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's still a substance. Now, granted, like, you know, everybody will say, like, oh, well, marijuana isn't addictive. And, like, you know, but then you hear the other side saying, well, marijuana is the gateway drug. Like, forget all of that, right? Like, right. it's just more so, like... You're becoming dependent, whether it's not even if it's not physically, you Mm -hmm. are becoming dependent on a substance. And that just does not seem like healthy for an addict. Yes. I mean, I I always even get I I even get like Like cigarettes, right? Yeah. I mean, 
like, I kind of feel the same way. It's like, you know, people who tend to be in like these, uh, like AA, right? You oh, always see like the people everybody's smoking. AA, smoking a ton, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's just like, okay, you're just basically trading one addiction in for another. Well, and maybe one is less likely to kill you immediately, but, <laughs> immediately. You know, but it's also less likely right. to put you in a uh, uh, mental state where you're going to be injuring right. other people and killing other people as well. Like, yeah. but I even think about like, even when they have alcohol, even when they have a beer mm -hmm. and stuff, I'm like, Ugh. Like, I feel like that's, that's, that could be, that could be trouble. But again, not anything I, I know anything about personally, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it does, does seem, I, I, I think her better argument is going to be the, I'm going to go to jail for 40 years if there's, right. If there's oh no, she can definitely and, lean like, on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking of trouble, let's talk about Taylor and Chance. So Taylor is recapping the blowout with her sister, Bobby, and her friend, Sarah. She says that there have been 171 text messages exchanged between a gay man and Chance over the course of just a day. We check back in with Chance, who's sweeping a room that's under construction or something. He insists that, yes, he was texting, but obviously with Taylor pretending to be with some to be someone else because she does it all the time. He does note that they were trying to get pictures from him, but he claims that he never said anything uh, inappropriate. Instead, he tries to explain away the fact that he got a nude from the mystery number, saying that he just asked if the other person was ghosting him and they claimed to have been in the shower. And Chance said, prove it. But he didn't mean to send a nude oh pic God. because if he wanted a nude pic, he would just ask for it. Chance insists that Taylor is the one who's lying. He says there's proof in the pudding and recipe. I don't know what he's saying half the time. He says that she created a fake email to set up a fake account so she could talk to her ex. Chance claims that Taylor is the cheater and he would have never thought that she was capable of that. He says, of course, he's capable of that and, you know, robbery. So, you know, he thinks that now she's capable of anything. Meanwhile, Taylor and company are all packing up Chance's things in trash bags and throwing it out on the front yard. Taylor says that she can't live a better life if Chance is in it. Taylor and company are all waiting for Chance to come home after he said he was heading over four hours ago. Taylor says things were so good when they were first together, and Bobby points out that it's because he just got out of prison. Taylor then points out the condition of her house, which I am so <laughs> yeah, I know. like, I love that she acknowledged this. She says that she's stuck with this shoddy construction work chance put into the house where everything looks like it's been glued together. And now she's going to have to hire someone to fix everything he's ever touched. That's, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> chance calls her to tell her that he's stopping by with her laptop. They start getting into an argument immediately, and Chance says that he'll cut her laptop in half because he deserves half. Taylor says then, okay, if that's how he feels about it, she'll cut his tools in half. Chance then rolls up to, into the house, and when he sees his stuff in the front yard, he throws her laptop in the pile too. He then tries to push his way into the house. Sarah says that the house is Taylor's, and even though he lives there, she can't just come in when he wants to. Chance says that she doesn't know the law and Taylor can't just evict him. Taylor wants to talk to him outside, you know, away from the kids. Chance doesn't want anything he uh, left behind anymore. He asks her if she's been talking to someone. Taylor says that she's never cheated on him. And he says, based on her standards of what she considers cheating, then he hasn't either. Taylor admits that she did talk to her ex, Jordan, but... 
It was actually to lie about how well her relationship with Chance is going and how well Chance treated her. Chance asks if he can see his son. And Taylor agrees that he can, but he can't just pop up every day. Uh, But if he gives her advance notice, then she'll work with him. Chance sarcastically says, you're welcome for the construction. And Taylor replies with a, thanks for the cheating. He then does more sincerely apologize for calling her names. Chance says he doesn't have money to live anywhere. His friend Tanya paid for a hotel room for that night. Chance claims that him and Taylor are done and it will but are not done because it'll only be a matter of a couple of weeks. Sarah advises Taylor to get a restraining order to stop that situation. <laughs> He's like tomorrow. Tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Yeah. Taylor says that she doesn't want to make it so Chance can't see his son. Sarah and Bobby think that Chance is just trying to weasel his way back and Taylor is allowing him to get that chance. Okay, so uh, I understand the situation like with restraining orders and I feel like that's what you have a lot of like kind of abusive situations. And I'm not saying this is abusive, but you know, mm-hmm. like or sure. toxic relationships, let's put I don't, it that I don't way. know that she could get a restraining order, to be honest. Right, right. So, um, yeah. So do you think that... Taylor is kind of setting things up where she could go back to him if she it wanted. It sounds like she was. Yeah. Sure same. did. Sure did the at the end when she's like, well, you know, if he decides, if he decides he wants to, I want to give, give that opportunity for him. And I was like, that's, wow, you just. Right. If he changed his ways. Yeah. 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 Like that. Yeah. I don't want to make it so that if he changed his ways, that would, then that would be, we'd be, be doing anything we couldn't reverse. Right. That kind of stuff. Right. It, was, it was very much sounded like. She was certainly leaving that door open a crack, if not wide open, for when he when he decides he wants to come back by just pretending he is doing better, right? Yeah. So I don't know, it just, it, which is just like I don't, I don't get that. Why it, 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 it? We see that all the time. Is people are so hell bent on this is it, this is the end, get out of here, you're a piece of shit, God damn it. And then at the end they're like, but if they decided they wanted to do better, you know, th- then and it's like. Well, you just you were just you're here leaving and, the door open. Yeah, and but also I and think how many, like it's been f- five years. He doesn't want to do better. Like no. you know that. Yeah, like, and I think this is the reason why Chance thinks that oh it'll just be two weeks. It's because yeah. how many times have they had the exact same art type of argument where she reacts this way and then a couple weeks later he's back in the house. You know, like remember last time they were on this show, she like. Set his stuff on fire. Like, that's pretty final if you ask me, right? Like, that seems like a... If you can recover from your shit being burned, like, I think you can recover from this because there was no property damage this time. No, and I feel like we always... We, we kind of have this whole cycle of people. It's not just in this show. It's in 90 oh, Day yeah, 2. yeah, for sure. Right? We have a cycle of people that at first were like, oh, oh, man, he's a lot worse than she thought. I hope she just breaks up with him. I hope she breaks up with him and then she breaks up and then gets back and then breaks up, gets back. And at some point we're just like, nah, I don't care anymore. She can have no. him. Like, yeah. You, you, you knew what you're getting into. So at this point, I don't feel bad for you anymore. And if she ever takes him back, I do not feel bad for anything that happens. Um, oh, sure. Sure. She, but I think she, right now I'm invested in the storyline because as we've talked in the spoiler alerts for like the last couple weeks, they are not together currently right now. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm actually invested in this. But if I knew that they were still together, I would so not be invested in this argument right now. Yeah. And that's a lot of the times that's the way it ends up, right? We yeah. we have 
on the show, the people are fighting and going back. I'm it. This is it. This is the final straw. I'll never deal right. with him again. And then you look on social media and they're back together. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, don't care. Yeah. Don't care about this argument right. anymore because it's pointless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there were a couple things that Chance here was just ridiculous at. The first one is, and I paused the show when it got to this point <laughs> and asked my partner and I was like, if you told me you were in the shower and I said, prove it, what do you want? And she's like, exactly. You, she's like, you want this. me to send you a picture? And I was like, yes, but that is, there's no other way to interpret that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's so dumb. Like, but he, the, the thing with him, and it's always been this way, is he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. There is, he really does. I, I, I was it's coming up. How could you possibly prove you were in the shower any other way besides send it? Do you want a GPS geo, geocache yeah. of his of the location specifically in his house of the shower? Like what you there's no there's no other way to interpret that. Besides, send me a naked picture of you in the shower. No, absolutely not. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying about I think he thinks he's smarter than everyone else because it's the dumbest lie, right? You're Mm -hmm. just like, it's completely unbelievable. And like, how dumb are you if if that is the truth? You are truly the dumbest person, right? Yeah. But then, and if you think we know if you it's think not we're the all truth, that dumb, then right. you are dumb. Like, yeah, you're, you're dumb exactly. to think everybody's that dumb. Everybody's right. that gullible, and everybody's that easily fooled. And the other thing that cracked me up is at the very end, he was like mad and storming around, blah blah. Yeah, and he ended up being like, you know what? That's it. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the rest of my siding. Like that's what you're going back for. Okay. He's yeah, so you can glue it to someone else's stuff. My God. His construction really is so sighting. bad. Like, yeah. And then he like tries to grab at one end and he's like, never mind, never mind, I don't want it. <laughs> Turns out you need two people to carry the siding, huh? And it's and the the other part that bothers me about chance, that bothers me the most about chance in this episode is when he's there and he's dealing and he's Whatever. There's there's three women, one woman that he's mad at and two two other – which by the way, like the first thing is, is Bobby tries to block the door and he was like, is there a guy in there? And it's like, you thought she brought a guy over to like – Oh my gosh. Sleep with while her sister was there? What was your thinking? But anyway, <laughs> when it's when it's women, right, when it's people that it, he feels whatever kind of power over, oh, he's a big tough guy. He's yeah. a big tough guy. I'll do whatever, man. You don't know what I'll do. I'll rob a bank. I'll do this shit. I'll do everything they want. Ooh, but when Bobo comes after his money. Oh, God, little baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're so sorry. You do whatever you want. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I made, yeah, I made a mistake, man. So like that selective like tough guy like mm-hmm. thing that he puts on when it's of no risk at all to him. That's like yeah. pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. It's just sad. All right. So next up, let's let's say Sean and Sarah. So Sean is out there trying to fix this tow truck. Uh, I don't know. He knows doesn't know how much money it's going to cost, but he's out there trying to fix it, which also means that he might not be able to do the call for a tow that he just got that Sarah got to him. So she is like yelling at him in frustration because apparently all the credit cards are maxed out at this point, uh, and he still needs to put all this time and money into the truck. So Sean tells us that he's been in the towing truck business since he was 15. He was like, I was driving tow trucks before I was driving cars, and it was like. Why were, why were you driving tow trucks when you were 15? That's not <laughs> legal. But he also says that this tow truck fell into his lap, which is, you know, fortuitously, just a way to make money. But I feel like the fact that the tow truck fell into his lap might be the reason he's having to repair the thing the whole all the time. <laughs> so anyway, she's mad at 
She's mad enough about the whole situation that she hangs up without, without an I love you. So he tells us based on what they're spending, they're going to go broke. And he hasn't told Sarah about that yet. Even though by the way she was talking to him, I feel like she very much knows that already. Yeah, so because does doesn't she's the one who handles the finances? We've been, yeah. t- been told just, that several he's times. So, he's so dumb. He's so tough. Well, I haven't told her that we're spending more than we're making. I was like, she knows, dude. She's like been yelling at you that we're spending more than you're making for months. Oh gosh, and he's like, oh, I haven't yeah. told her that we're doing that. But it's so dumb. He just, especially, he's especially when it comes to money. He's just ridiculous. So, oh, also, there's no backup plan. <laughs> so then we switch back to Sarah and she's worried about Anthony, who is her baby daddy. So he, he she said since last season, we saw him and he's become less and less... Eh, let's say enthused about being with Aunt Abby and even missed her birthday party. So, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Sarah says that she that he's lost a lot of weight and she suspects that he might be using again. So at this point, she's just going to have Anthony take a drug test and if he doesn't want to or doesn't pass the drug test, then that's it. He, she's done and he, he can't see Abby again. So the next time we see her, Sarah is in the car with the drug test because she, yeah, she's pretty sure that's what's going on. So Sarah tells us that him being a deadbeat dad is especially painful to her because she grew up with a dad that wasn't around. So she goes to the cafe and sits to wait for Anthony. So she she gets there, she calls him, gets the voicemail, waits for an hour, texts him. Pretty sure she's – and at this point is pretty sure this guy's just not going to show. So she's devastated on behalf of Abby. So um, she thinks that this is – like going to be even harder on Abby than her dad skipping out on her was because her dad like never seemed to care and never was a good dad. And at least Abby like had a glimpse of what it could be like to have an involved dad. And now that's going to get taken away from her. So, um, I mean, we definitely notably don't see Anthony on this episode. I mean, do you think this is like, I don't know, this just seems like something of a show that was like, we need to have an episode that explains why Anthony is gone even though we all know that he's back on drugs and you already cut him off, right? I feel like this already happened, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I just feel bad because, you know, it's it's tough, I think, to see for anyone. But also, I just don't have a lot of experience with addicts mm-hmm. and, you know, these kind of, like, well-intended promises but the inability to follow through, you know, because, um, you know, of their addiction. So, you know, when Anthony was on the show before, it's like he's saying all these things, you know. And like I said, well-intended promises. Like oh, he yeah. did not he, set he meant, out He meant to, everything he said, for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And But then it's just it breaks my heart for her because, you know, but then at the same time, it's like someone like Sarah, who's used to dealing with addicts, who's made those well-intended promises before. She knows where, well, I can only kind of take it so seriously because who knows what's actually going to happen you know so she's definitely a little bit more wise to the reality of the situation but it's just it's so sad to see that oh yeah for sure i mean it was it was i'm glad we didn't kind of have like anything from abby at all about that Mm -hmm. but it's just yeah and it's it's it, it kind of reminds me of what we had from from Louie, you know, last time, like the owner of the gym who was like, you seem like a stand-up dude and I promise that you are not saying any lies right now. You are yeah. fully intend to do that. I still don't trust it, right? And yeah. that's somebody who has had situations like this happen to them numerous times, right? Yeah. That yeah. are like, it wasn't, it, to the point there, it wasn't even like you that broke the promise. It was, it was the addiction that broke the promise. Mm-hmm. 
But at the end of the day, when you're eight and your dad's not there or you're six and your dad's not there, then you're six and your dad's not there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. Very sad. <laughs> so how what is this tow truck? It, it, they, somebody sold him a lemon, right? That, that's what happened. Oh, my gosh. Who the hell knows with Sean? <laughs> because he's not. I mean, I don't think he's as bad as Chance. Right. But I don't think he's good with money. He's not good with money, but no, which is why Sarah's the one who's handling the finances. If he's been, you know, doing stuff, if he'd been towing in tow trucks for, according to him, 45 years, right? Something like that. Then you'd think you'd be able to fix it or at least know what's wrong or know how much it's going to cost to fix it. Like, but it it really does say he's like, well, I don't know. It's this opportunity. Just this tow truck just fell into our lap. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, somebody was really excited. To get rid of their shitty tow truck for pretty cheap by getting unloading it on you. Right. right. It's, like, it's like like so many people with boats are the same thing, right? Yeah. Wow, I got a great deal on this boat. And then like months later, you're like, this boat's a piece of shit. Like, I got to fix this boat all the time. It's like, almost, like, yeah. Yeah, somebody was really happy to sell you that boat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to Melissa and Louie. Speaking of jobs, uh, Melissa and Louie run to get juices and Louie asks the worker if they're hiring. She gives a short no. So they leave and go for a walk. Melissa has been hiding something from Louie. She tells him that she went for a consultation to get a nose job and she's already paid for her operation. Louie is upset that she didn't talk to him about it. Even though he's against it, he's still a part of it. So he thinks he should she should have told him. Melissa's surgery is actually in a couple of days because it's in New York and he's on probation. He can't just pick up and, you know, leave to go be there for her. Louis has to get a pass from his probation officer. And Melissa didn't realize that he has to ask for permission every time Louis wants to leave to go to New York, especially because it's so close. <laughs> Melissa then tells him that she has to take a pregnancy test before the procedure, which Louie doesn't seem to mind until Melissa points out that they've been having a lot of unprotected sex. Louie says that having a baby will put a damper on their relationship, so he's not super supportive of this. Louie doesn't know if she wants to be consoled. Melissa thinks that he doesn't want any kind of responsibility. Louie says that he doesn't want her imagining pregnancy symptoms, so she should just get that out of her head right now. Louis thankfully got a travel pass, so he's able to go with Melissa. And Melissa is still kind of wondering if they're possibly pregnant. Louis has a surprise plan for Melissa. He says it's at a pizza joint, and Melissa gets upset because she doesn't want pizza as her last meal before surgery. Louis takes Melissa to Justino's to meet his mentor in pizza making. Melissa just doesn't think it's the right time for this activity. He shows off his pizza making skills for Melissa, who puts on a happy face, but she's actually really annoyed. Louis then tells her that he actually got a job at a pizza place right down the street from their house. Melissa told him that she doesn't want him to work at a pizza place for 20 years. And Louis says that he can still look while he's making money. He thinks nothing's going to make her happy. Melissa says that she can't afford everything by herself. And Louie asks her just to be a little bit more supportive of him. So, uh, I don't know. Would you say you're Team Louie or Team Melissa on this episode? Oh, Team Louie. Yeah. Like, jobs are jobs, man. Yeah. And who knows? Like, you 
you get jobs by getting jobs. Like it, right. what's the chances he's working at the pizza place. Maybe he works his way up to shift manager, right? Maybe he works up his way up to something else. Maybe he's at the pizza place and meets somebody who's got some money and want, needs a new partner opening yes. a new pizza place, right? Maybe one of the clients like says, Louie, that's my name too. And then ha- ends up striking it up and doing it. Like you have to get out there. Right. And it's with a your form face of networking. There. And he's yeah, super yeah. friendly too. So there's no reason why, you know, and it doesn't have to be just pizza related. Like he could, like you were saying, meet another customer who has a business that Louie might want to get into. Like, you know, maybe the gym owner is going there on his cheat day, you know, and right. like. Exactly. G- builds a relationship with Louie and, you know, like sees him every time. He's a regular you know and then offers louis a job like there's so many situations like that that aren't going to happen if you're just sitting home on your computer trying to uh just apply for jobs all the time like melissa kind of envisions in her mind right and i don't i i, I also don't you have to now guess if you're louis and you're doing the way doing it the way she wants to do it like what what um what what what's the level of job that's okay pizza yeah. place not okay like uh, bartender clearly okay. That's what she does, right? Yeah. What if I got a? What if I was working at a barbershop? Is that okay? What if I was working at a, a a Target? Is that okay? Like, where's the level of what job is okay and what job is not? Well, she think- says a professional. So I think what she envisions is in twenty years, would it look ridiculous if you still had this job? If you still have, I think that's pretty. That's true for almost any job, right? Like. No, I agree because his mentor Justin is twenty years older. If you don't advance, yeah, his mentor mentor Justin is a mentor who -hmm. probably manages people and maybe even owns the pizza place. He doesn't have the same job, right? I think she's just imagining he's gonna be, you know, a pizza cook and he's gonna stay a pizza cook. And there's gonna be eighteen year olds who keep coming and going and coming and going. Oh gosh, yeah, the same job he has, and he's get, then he's all of a sudden gonna be fifty three, having a job that is sixteen. That most the most mostly is held by sixteen year olds. That's her fear. But like, I don't know. But sitting on the couch on your ass for twenty years looks pretty pathetic too. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just don't really understand what she wants from him because, you know, she says that she can't afford everything by herself. Right. She wouldn't have moved on with this relationship um, and made the decisions that she made about finances if she thought that he wasn't going to be able to contribute. I think contributing pizza work versus no work, like that's something like he's right. Nothing's going to make her happy. No, it's, I think it's especially frustrating when the other thing she says is, I want you to be independent. Yeah. And he's like, this is me figuring out my own way. And this is me doing the things that I want to do. Me getting the job that you set, getting a CDL that you set up for me. It's not me being independent. Right. <laughs> right? That's not yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, right? because, yeah, she'd probably throw it in his face. Like, well, I'm the one who got you that job. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't know. And then it, they, they're they actually kind of far from New York. Like I looked it up. Like they're like – its I mean not super far, but it's still like an hour outside the city. Uh, well, I was going to say all of New Jersey is relatively close. Like it's like what at most a two or three hour train ride. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you got on a train for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something so like it's that. not that But it's bad. one of those things that it, it's just the, the – geography of the area is weird mm-hmm. and it's like it's like how this it's the same way in like the bay area you're like yeah if i could fly there straight from here i'm really close but i can't i got to go down and around the water and come yeah, back out yeah. the other way and then so it, you end up being a lot farther than it would be um and that's what that is i don't know it just 
just a thing I was looking at. All right. Yeah. So last I have is Chevelle and Quaylen. So it's time for, you know, my favorite scene in any show, the, the wedding dress shopping. Oh, gosh. So, yes. For the she, record, Mr. O hates this kind of thing uh, and it's he dreads so, it every time it's on the show. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's always so formulaic and then with things anyway. <laughs> so anyway, Chevelle is there with Maila, her mom, Sylvia, and Quaylen's mom, Quilandria. So, of course, things did not go well the last time Sylvia and Quilandria were in the same room. And, of course, now this time we're adding champagne. Oh, so, Chevelle describes her perfect dress to the, the shop lady, and she says it's something sexy but different. Something that's see-through, but not see-through. Oh, gosh. And all the while, and the funniest part about her explaining it is when she was saying that in words, we just had Maila's face being like, uh, alternating between confused, furrowed brow and eye rolling, like just well, because she knows she knows yeah. mom's style, right? <laughs> but she also knows, mom. You just said see through, but not see through. What are you yeah. even talking about? Um, so anyway, then they take Chevelle back to get fitted, and that leaves uh, the two moms together alone because uh, Maila went with with Chevelle. So Quilandre asks if Sylvia is going to contribute to the wedding, and she still plans on not contributing. Well, maybe the food because she likes to eat, and Quilandre is like. Oh, well, I guess that's a little something, even though like the food is a huge chunk of oh, your wedding yeah. cost. Isn't that like the primary? Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. yeah and the fact cost. that she's like, oh, OK, just the food. I guess that's a little something. And it's like that's like half. I think the <laughs> venue is usually like 50 percent. And then like the food is like 35 percent. Everything yeah. else after the venue and the food is it's chump change. Right. Yeah. But anyway, Quilandria tries to guilt Sylvia into paying for more because, you know, it might damage your relationship with your daughter. And so then Sylvia is like, okay, well, what is it that you're contributing? And Quilandria is like, well, you know, I'm the groom's mother. And traditionally, you know, we don't we don't pay for anything. So I, you're the one who's supposed to pay. So I, 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 I'll I maybe help a little. But oh, and then God. that's when um, – that's when she, that Sylvia is like, oh, hey, isn't the pot calling the kettle black? So you're very, very angry at me, me for not contributing, yet you're not contributing anything. So Quilandria is like, yeah, but that's not because I can't. It's because I want things to be traditional. I want I want traditional things. Oh, gosh. And so that Sylvia is like, oh, this, this you want to be traditional. <laughs> Imagine that. So at this point, Chevelle comes out in a dress she likes, but then Quilandria like looks at it and is like, Tries to be diplomatic by saying, can we get something that's more, again, that word, traditional? <laughs> so then Chevelle leaves again and the moms find some common ground. Uh, the common ground is that this wedding is rushed. The couple is moving too fast and they probably shouldn't be doing this at all. <laughs> so dress number two comes out and it's that's just met with a bunch of I love it's and it brings Sylvia to tears, which, of course, to Chevelle means that she cares because how would you know someone cares unless they cry? Right, of course. So with that all done, it's time for uh, Chevelle's bridal shower. And there's pyrotechnic uh, pineapples here. <laughs> and on top of cakes, there's like, you know, like sparklers and stuff going off. And Quilandria and Q-Baby uh, are there from Quaylen's side. And they make it a point of show – they really do make it a point of showing us how the drinks are flowing. It's like lots of shots of people just pouring wine, pouring <laughs> champagne. Like, um, because Quilandria talked to Chevelle about being sure uh, that she's ready to take the step into marriage. And since she says she is, Quilandria gives her blessing. So then Chevelle gets up to mingle and gets to her side of the family. So Sylvia gives her opinion very loudly in the corner uh, that she thinks Chevelle is ready for this wedding, but Quaylen – Nah, I don't think he's over cheating and doing his thing. After 12 years in prison, 
uh, he doesn't have all that out of his system. So, I mean, and she, it really did sound like he, the kind of loudness where you're like, I mean for people to quote unquote overhear this. Right. And one of the people she wants to overhear it is Quilandria, who's not that far away. So she gets up to intervene, but the way she does it is, I don't know, pr- pretty, pretty slick, I guess. So instead of like yelling at Sylvia or being like, you stay away from my son, she just kind of puts her arm around Chevelle and is like, oh, baby, you don't have to listen to this. You don't have to do that. <laughs> so that very much triggers Sylvia, who's like, wait, you're comforting my daughter? You are not her mother. And then all of a sudden, they have to be held back from each other. Things devolve quickly. There's keep your sons out, my name out your mouth and stuff oh, going God. on. And then the scene, the scene ends and the episode ends with Quaylen like just stomping into the room and like making big eyes at everyone like what is going on in here <laughs> like like he's the principal coming in to break a cafeteria fight is what it looked like <laughs> oh my gosh everything about this their segment was just ridiculous uh Quaylen's mom is ridiculous like trying to guilt uh Chevelle's mom into paying and then like oh well I shouldn't have to pay anything well, I, I'm the groom's mom you know the groom's mom doesn't pay anything. that's just how the, that's I can't do anything about tradition right uh, that's just but what the thing happens. that yeah. I'm confused about is why everybody thinks that they're rushing this like I don't know if we got a very clear timeline of the time that they got back together sure to when they got engaged to how fast this marriage is happening I don't know if we got a clear timeline of it because, I mean, from our point of view, they just kind of reappeared on the show. They told us at some point they got back together again. They told us at some point they got engaged and now they're playing this wedding. So to me, it seems pretty normal ish timeline. They've known each other for what, three years, I want to say. Mm-hmm. They've been dating for three or four years. So to say that this is rushing it, it's just like, why does everyone think that? Well, there's one of two things. I think you're right. The timeline could be whack. Like it could be they've known each other for three years. They dated for whatever that year. They've been broken up for two years. They got back together. And the announcement for, hey, I'm seeing Quaylen again was, hey, Quaylen and I are getting are, are engaged and we're getting married in three months. And you'd be like, wait, I thought you broke up with him years ago. What do you mean you're getting married? Like that <laughs> if that's the time, if that's the time, then then I can see why you'd think rushed. But I think more realistically, what they mean by rushed is I don't want them to get married. Yeah. Because that was my thought <laughs> and too. It's more was acceptable like- to just say, Aren't they rushing it? Because being the thought the thought process being these people are clearly going to break up. And if they just wait, right. then they'll break up and they won't be married. Like, yes. That was kind of the impression I was getting, too, because it was like, oh, well, you know, they, it doesn't matter if it's now or two more years from now. I feel like they would still be having these same arguments. Right. Yeah. That's just, it's, it's the argument is is a. It's they nicer wanna... to say, I don't think they're ready for this or I think yeah. they're doing this too soon than to say they shouldn't be doing this at all. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing that the moms can agree on is that these people shouldn't be getting married. Which is probably true. Mm-hmm. Like, let's face it at the end. We, we, we haven't seen too much, but I feel like I feel like there's just going to be things coming that are just like, I if they should get married. Maybe there shouldn't be a wedding with both families there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we did not hear from Eris and Cameron this week or Joy and Red. So out of the group we saw this week, who is your student of the week? I, I'm going to say Sarah. Um, okay. You know, that was a tough situation she was in. And we really didn't see her have to interact with anybody except telling Sean that he's dumb and they're broke. But <laughs> I mean, that's tr- there's the truth. So that's fine. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, she... she 
I, I feel like she did the appropriate amount to give him to give Anthony as many chances as he could. And, you know, he obviously didn't take them. Yeah, I went with uh, Louie on this one. I felt like even though he disagrees with Melissa getting a nose job, he still wanted to be supportive and be there for her uh, for the surgery. He found a job, you mm-hmm. know, by himself. Like, I think he's doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. OK. Uh, what about your dunce? Uh, I mean, it's still chance. Like, yeah, he's just acting like a psycho, like weird. And like and the thing is, and I don't want to bring like and I, I, I don't want to bring politics in it, but but the one specific thing he reminded he did reminds me reminded me of something that that Donald Trump does often, right? Mm-hmm. And that is to promise something that's going to be a huge blockbuster, and like I have the proof, and I'll, I'll show. I'm going to show you the proof. Wait until you see the you won't get you won't believe what I what, what's going to come up when I show you the truth. I'm going to yeah. show you next week. I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you what happened. Like I feel like there was people forget about like because it was such a minor thing of, compared yeah. to all the other events that happened during his administration. But like, he would often be like, he would like tweet something out like, Oh, big bombshell news coming out. I'm going to, I'm going to tweet it out here next Monday. And then would never tweet anything about it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> be like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I agree, but I actually went with Blaine this week. Um, just because like that whole thing, Lindsay is in such a delicate situation right now. And for him to not even consider the fact that getting a marijuana card could affect like either of mm-hmm. their situations. I'm sure he's still on probation as well. Like, does he even like know to learn more about consult with a lawyer like Lindsay did? Yeah. Well, and it definitely has to do with the state V federal charges, right? Yeah. Like both like, and, and, that that's still a weird gray area now, right? Yeah. In terms of those things, because like we both we both live in states where it's you know re- legal recreationally, mm-hmm. and but officially it's still a federal crime, right? To have right, it, you sure. know, and it's, so it's that weird that weird in between. And so if I was in if I was in state court, they can't hold it against me, right? But yeah. if I had a federal charge, then they might be able to hold that against me. And so yeah. it's 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 that's not something I had actually considered before. I know there's a whole bunch of weird things when it comes to banking for the dispensaries and stuff yes. because they're doing what's le- federally still not legal but is legal within right. their states but yeah that that is is something you need to know more about if you're just going to start bringing it around and and somebody's looking at something like 40 years yeah right yeah crazy all right what about your life lesson so my life lesson was it was it's to melissa and it's like you if you value your partner being independent, which she repeatedly says she does, yeah. then you don't get to pick their job. Right, like, right. You can you 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 can support their job, and like you know, you can, you might be able to get your opinion, but you can't. You don't you don't get to decide what they do with their life. And then because the thing is, is we said it too. If she did, she's the kind of person that would resent him and hold it against him that she was the one who picked his job. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. Uh, my life lesson is for Taylor, but really so many people on this show at some point. Um, if you're going to take someone back, you just have to accept that they are never going to change. Um, mm. Because, you know, Taylor's yep. like, well, I'll take him back if this and this and this change. If he becomes a different person, if he starts doing this and it's just like. Everybody can say that they are changed. And I think that's enough for most people to be like, okay, I'll take them back. And then it's like you're in the same cycle again because you realize that they haven't changed. So if you're going to take someone back, 
you have to just accept like whatever faults it is that got you there in the first place. Just in your mind, be like, that's not going to change. Am I okay with that? If the answer is okay, I'm okay with it begrudgingly, then sure, get back together again with them. No, totally, totally. I feel like saying if like saying, you know, I'll take it, I'll take chance back if yeah, he decides right. to take things seriously. That's right. and that, that that that's kind of, that's the that's the perfect place to be like and if if my grandma had wheels she'd be a bicycle, right? right. Like it's like let's deal with the let, let, let's deal with that hypothetical situation when a change chance shows up on your doorstep. Yeah. Because he's yeah. not going to. No, absolutely not. All right. So, uh we will be back again with this same group next week. Yep, that's right. Okay. So, until then. All right. See everybody then. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>